Okay, last panel for today. I'm sure you're all feeling like there's an information overload. Um, this panel discussion is going to focus on hedge funds. Uh, it's going to speak about the perceptions and the challenges around hedge funds in the local markets, the role of South African hedge funds, industry trends, criticisms, challenges facing the industry. So I'd like to call up my speakers. Hayden Renders, Tatenda Chapandiko, okay, and Kamini Naidu from Momentum Investments. Okay, Hayden, let's start off with you. Uh, perhaps if we can speak about the hedge funds landscape um, pre the regulation and post the regulation and the changes the regulation has actually brought to the hedge fund space. Great, thank you for having me here today and good afternoon, everybody. So, the first thing I just want to start off about the hedge fund regime or regulations in South Africa, prior to 2015, they were, they were unregulated structures. Majority were partnership structures as well as variable rate debenture structures. And then with board notice 52 in 2015, all hedge funds were declared collective investment schemes. So like your CIS, Collective Investment Scheme in Securities, your long-only unit trusts, they were declared to be collective investment schemes and they were declared to be qualified hedge funds or retail hedge funds. The, the biggest thing that came out of that really was that they were now regulated. So just like the Cisco Act governs various uh, requirements, disclosures, fee disclosures, the way you market them, the way you talk about them, and even the way you name them, uh, that all came out in 2015. And then all the funds had to basically pick a management company, so they introduced a couple of new stakeholders. The, one, the major one at first was the, the concept of a management company. And so like your Alan Gray's coronations and prescience all have a management company, they then had to either be, to pick one which was in the group or they had to co-name. Majority of the hedge funds in South Africa went the co-name route. So that's where you'd see two names and the investment managers, the managers with the CAT 2A licenses would then convert their funds. The funds that didn't convert basically dropped off and any new funds from 2015 had to go through the formal FSCA, the old FSB application process per fund. Uh, and that really has brought hedge funds out into, into the open. And I guess it took it away from that old kind of feeling that they were there for only high net worth individuals or those institutional um, players. And now, technically, the man on the street can invest. And, and, th and that's where they are today. Kamini, maybe I can bring you in here. Um, you know, globally, hedge funds have always received a bad reputation before they were regulated. Um, but has the industry been able to shake that off now that, there's, now that they're being regulated? So what the regulation has done is to make the, the context and the mandate clearer to the investor. So it's made it more accessible to um, investors and more understandable in terms of the risk that they would be accessing. What we have seen, though, is that we've um, hedge funds have struggled a little bit, or they did struggle post the global financial crisis, and that came that was at the same time as the regs were promulgated. So um, what we saw was that funds struggled at a time that investors were recalibrating their return expectations. Um, there was a greater focus on um, the value of active management. So 
global hedge fund fees came down um, or came under scrutiny as nominal returns on global hedge funds um, came under pressure. So it was a little bit of, um, it's not really our regulation that's, that's played into that. Uh, I think the regulations that we saw in 2015, that's board notice 52, that was product uh, regulations. Hedge fund managers have, uh, I think since 2007, uh, have been regulated as category 2A, um, uh, 2A managers. So it was more of uh, just regulating the product itself, the hedge fund itself. Uh, but as the hedge fund managers, the, the, we've always been regulated. Uh, and I think to add that even before the regulations, there was a lot of self-regulations, uh, self-regulation within, uh, within the hedge fund space. And I think sometimes you say that the bad thing about hedge funds is the name hedge fund. And I think that comes from offshore experiences. Uh, a lot of the hedge fund, uh, uh, let's say accidents, for lack of a better word, which have happened, have happened offshore. Locally, we've never really had uh, 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 a hedge fund blow up. Uh, I think there was one uh, in 2007, but it was, I think, peak to trough around 30%. Uh, so most of the perceptions are, are offshore perceptions. The local hedge fund industry has always been very well uh, regulated uh, and I think much, uh, much less risky uh, compared to, uh, to offshore. Let's speak about the... the the returns for invest investors from hedge funds. Um, are they suitable for pension fund investors? So hedge funds are not a homogenous asset class. Um, and I think what we, what, what we need to remember is that by their nature, they have wider mandates, which means that even within the same strategy, you can get a whole range of profiles. Okay, So the investor, in theory, through blending correctly, should be able to create any risk return profile through correctly selecting the hedge fund managers. What's important is that the investor can decide what role they want the hedge fund to play. So is it, the, is it a um, typical diversifier, risk reducer, or is it a return enhancer on the other end of the spectrum? And then they need to source correctly for that from within their strategic asset allocation. So what you're getting through allocating to hedge is access to alternative risk premium, diversified return sources, and through that, you should be able to create more resiliency in your product set. So provided that you can source correctly, so match it to the right um, strategic asset allocation, you should be able to create a diversified um, outcome and more certainty in what you're going to achieve. I just want to add, I know the question was directed at uh, pension funds, but in terms of the regulations, the retail and qualified hedge funds, sometimes the, the retail hedge fund is, is geared more towards individuals. Um, the retail market. And so you could also look at it as uh, almost the term has been used a hedge fund light or a form of a unit trust that's maybe got a little bit of more of a kicker to it. But it doesn't mean it's more risky. It just means that you can have different profiles. And we were discussing this before, the, before we came up. Hedge funds is always called just hedge funds, but there's so many different types of hedge funds. Um, and it's important to note that there are different types and it, it can appear, appease different type of people and different type of risk appetites. I don't know who would like to pick up this question, but uh, you know, now that there's regulation in place, or formal regulation in place, um, how have the flows been? Have they been negative uh, within the industry, or you know, are, has the regulation not really made a difference in terms of the flows? I mean, just to, just to chip in there, the, at ASISA, so I look after the, I chair the Hedge Fund Standing Committee at ASISA, and 
one of the biggest things is gain the stats. So previously there's been a number of different types of surveys and different types of portals that give out data. And so if you go back a few years, the stats are called hedge funds, but they tend to be more alternative funds. So it's, quite, it's not necessarily apples with apples at the moment. And so as we move more into the, the regime of regulation and classification, we should be starting to get more consistent data. At ASISA, we were unable to actually get the proper flow data, but there have been a number of surveys. Just to add, uh, well, to give a slightly, I think, more direct answer to, 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 to your question, uh, well, we, the last, uh, well, let's say 2016, 2017 and 2018, we, we, we've seen some outflows, and I think what Hayden says is uh, it, 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 it speaks to the magnitude of those, of those outflows. And I think there are three reasons why we've seen, so the industry hasn't grown, it's, it, 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 it's, it's shrunk. Uh, that is a fact. Uh, and I think there are three reasons why that has happened. Uh, first of all, uh, you, you saw uh, uh, long short equity underperform. Uh, I think the problem wasn't really the underperformance, uh, but I think the problem was, uh, uh, I think when it underperformed, so it underperformed during the time that hedge funds had the most scrutiny, or more, almost everybody was looking at, at, at hedge funds after they had been regulated. Uh, and I think some some, uh, especially on the long short equity, some of those hedge funds had been misold as the always up, never down, never down fund. But it, it, like any investment, it will go up, it will, it, 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 it will underperform. So I think one of the reasons uh, why there was uh, uh, outflows was because of investor disappointment from the long short equity uh, strategy, which is the dominant strategy. It's around 60% of, uh, I think, total AUM within uh, within hedge funds, but other hedge funds uh, have outperform outperformed during the same uh, the same period, but they're still very minuscule in terms of uh, AUM. I think the second reason is uh, 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 over a period of time, uh, there was a lot of money from offshore investors which went into uh, hedge fund managers' dollar dollar asset uh, asset class uh, 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 asset classes, and with with negative sentiment towards emerging markets and I think South Africa around 2017 because of the uh, 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 political noise. Uh, we saw a lot of that money move, uh, uh, move back. Uh, so I think that is also responsible for, uh, for some of the uh, uh, loss in AUM. Following on from, from Tatenda's point, so equity long short is often seen as atypical of the industry at large. And it's because it's the largest in terms of both number of managers and assets under management. So since the, the global financial crisis, we have had this case of suppressed volatility, correlations have been high. You don't really expect um, fund managers or hedge fund managers to be um, performing extremely strongly in that environment. But what we've seen since then, which is, um, let's call it the last 12 to 18 months, as vols have picked up and markets have been under pressure, you found the funds produce much better returns. So if I take equity long short, and, and, and this goes to your previous question as well, um, if I had to look at a distribution of returns of equity, equity managers, the dispersion in returns, so that's your best performing, less your lowest performing in equity space, is around 45%. So our best performing manager net of all fees is north of 30% in a market that's down 7 to 10%. Okay, that's on a 12-month basis. So I, I take that return any day. Now, I do think what we're going to see is as investor expectations are... Um, 
honed into when they expect the asset class to, to perform, we'll start to see hopefully more positive sentiment return here. In a fixed income world, uh, so, so just on that point, um, if we consider that the market is in the left of the distribution, all the funds stack up to the right, which means that all the funds have done better or have protected capital relative to the market. So it's just about making sure that your expectation of the strategy is aligned to um, when, they, when the opportunity set is available. In the fixed income space, the dispersion is narrower, but all those funds on a 12-month basis are positive. Um, so it's, it's just important to know when you should expect them to to perform. Um, but yes, they did, they did struggle for a long time and that was largely a reason for why we saw the outflows. But hopefully with the performance coming back in a suitable market, we'll see that turn around now. Okay, uh, let's get our poll question up. Just remember the link is over there with the pin and when the question comes up, it's still at the bottom if you still need it. The question is, um, do you think hedge, hedge funds are beneficial for institutional and or pension fund portfolios in terms of improving returns and diversification? Yes, no, not sure. Hayden, you want to pick up on that? Yeah, yeah I mean, from a, from a point of view of, of giving options and giving the pension funds an investment universe to invest, it, it gives them a lot of buying power into a lot of the funds we've seen. So you are able to kind of blend a lot of what you want to get out of something and a lot more purchasing power when you actually can go and pick the managers. And so it gives you access to some of the best managers, um, but it does also give you a certain value add. I don't know if you want to pick up. Oh, the results are out. 75.9% say yes. I think people are still voting, but I mean, you can kind of gauge. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I generally like to think of things along spectrums and distributions, but if you think that your passive type strategy is on the extreme of one, to my mind, hedge is on the extreme of the other, so the, on the more active spectrum because of the wider mandate. So if you can utilize a wider mandate to access a greater opportunity set, then um, you would create a greater resiliency in your, in your return outcomes. Yeah, my, my answer is also yes, so uh, the flow is right. Uh, and I think hedge funds uh, offer a, a risk mitigation uh, because of, uh, like what Kamini said, the wider tool set. So hedge fund managers uh, will use certain, uh, certain tools that long-only managers are not allowed to use. Uh, and when you bring it all together, you can create a, a different... Uh, payoff profile uh, 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 relative to what, say, pension funds traditionally uh, have access to. So hedge funds do have uh, an ability to reduce drawdowns and also improve returns as well. Kamini, um, I would like to pose this question to you. What do you think some of the benefits or what are some of the benefits around including hedge funds in a portfolio? It's very much, um, as I mentioned earlier, so being able to access the diversified return profiles, um, alternative risk premium, um, different, different re return sources. So what you're going to get with a, with, a, with a hedge exposure is access to an entirely different um, opportunity set through the ability to go short, so to profit from falling markets, through the ability to use leverage, so to um, invest more capital than you own, and um, 
the, the, most, the most common of that is an arbitrage strategy. So an actual risk-neutral strategy in which you, can, which you can profit. So, Thinda, I'd like to ask you this question. With passive, in, um, with passive investment becoming a greater consideration, um, how does that impact on hedge fund investment allocations? And, uh, you know, taking this into consideration when positioning the investment? Uh, I think passive in hedge funds uh, can, can coexist. Uh, the way I look at it, uh, I see passive as, uh, uh, as, as, as cheap beta. In hedge funds, uh, that's more uncorrelated alpha. So I think this more simplistic way of looking at it is something like portable alpha, uh, whereby you can get access to a cheap beta. Uh, and the beta is important because from a strategic asset allocation, that's how you'd set your, uh, you, you try to mimic your liabilities. So you can closely match your, 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 your liabilities using chip beta. And then you can use uh, uh, hedge funds to give you uncorrelated alpha. And the combination should be able to outperform, to outperform over time. So I think the, the two can, can, can coexist. Hayden, what are some of the challenges facing the hedge fund industry? So with regulations comes additional costs. Um, one of the biggest reasons people are a little bit hesitant or a bit harder to start these days is there's extra mouths to feed. There's more stakeholders. So prior to regulations, you had, you had an outsource administrator, you had the investment manager, you had the auditor, you had the prime broker. We still have those four main drivers, and then we now also have a custodian, a trustee. We, we still have the auditors. We have the FSCA themselves who now have to do a, a, a certain levy. And there's compliance functions, and there's also additional risk management functions. So all that goes with the costs of, of a regulated product, but it does increase, it does actually make the hedge fund quite expensive to start. So it does create a bit of a, a challenge for someone to launch a hedge fund. And the previous panel were talking about uh, funds at about 50 million. I think you'd struggle with a 50 million rand hedge fund. You need to get closer to about the 100 million to, to basically break even. Um, the, the other thing which is quite an anomaly at the moment, quite a big challenge, is we've spoken about pension funds investing. You and I, the man on the street, can go and invest, but a unit trust can't invest at the moment. So there's actual board notice that prohibits or doesn't allow a normal unit trust to, to do a 2% or a 5% allocation to a leveraged product. So there you've got balanced funds with a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of experience, and you've got an industry of worth two trillion, and there's no allocation at all to hedge funds. This is quite an quite anomaly in the sense that I can go and put 10,000 rand in a retail hedge fund tomorrow, but a unit trust can't. And that's the easiest way to actually grow the industry would be to open that up. And that's become quite a contentious issue, and I think it's something that the industry as a whole is trying to address hopefully next year. So sticking on, on hedge fund fees, there has been pressure on, on that. Um, so how much should hedge funds charge? And uh, you know, are the fee pressures done, or is there more still to come? I pose the question to all three of you. So um, I think if you take the hedge fund fees, the issue down to its absolute basic, it's been about alignment of interest. So what we've seen happen in the industry um, is that we've seen a, quite a big shift towards aligning managers' interest with investors. And what you typically find is in the market that we've just 
come out of where performance has struggled and fees have been um, higher as an expensive asset class, there has been quite a bit of pressure on fees. I don't see this as a once-off discussion. I think this is going to be an evolution. I don't think it's done. I think as the value for money equation starts to um, evolve, so will the discussion around fees um, to get greater alignment of interest and to get to a, a more comfortable um, place. I think just to add on to what Kamini has said, I think there's a, there's a uh, perception of higher fees within the hedge fund market. The reality is that fees are very negotiable and it's, they're also a function of supply and demand. Uh, for example, if somebody comes to us and says, we want to invest into your uh, product, but your fees are too high, we are happy to negotiate. And I, I know most of the guys are willing to do that. Uh, so, 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 so it's, 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 I think it's, 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 it's it's more perception than the reality. And secondly, uh, I think uh, you don't want your hedge fund manager to be, uh, to be, to be an asset gatherer. Uh, so the performance fees have to be, have to be there. And uh, performance fees allow, allow there to be a balance between, uh, between uh, 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 investing up to your capacity constraints and so being able to run a profitable business, uh, which still seeks alpha and also retains uh, and employs the best, the best, the best talent. Uh, so I think that's what I'll say too. Yeah, my, my company president runs a platform and the one thing we've seen with a lot of the co-name managers on the platform, there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of investors that go into the funds and really take the time to, to kind of negotiate and talk about it. We've seen some, the old, concept of 2 and 20, I mean, no one's really seen that for quite a while. You see all new kind of new arrangements, but the, the, the reality is there's discussions. Uh, it is open. And then certain fees, maybe it's worth paying for. I mean, the, the other new player that has to be part of the regulation is an independent risk manager. So there you, you are paying a, um, a nominal fee for additional eyes, additional risk monitoring, but you know, that, that there is value add in that, and there is a lot of people looking to actually scope out and build um, databases and the way they, they use that data and the way they, they use it. And I think speaking in a forum like this, there's lots of opportunity there to get involved because it's, it's decision useful data and th that's where the information is going. And then just the fees do come across a lot more expensive in, in a regulated environment. But one of the, the costs that I feel have come down is your audit fees. So before, where you had a partnership or you had a variable rate debenture structure, which was a trust and a company, you, you'd contract with one set of auditors for one set of account. Now, with majority of the, f the hedge funds in South Africa being platforms, the platform will negotiate the fees up front, and that does give the benefit to the actual fund, not only that you maybe get a negotiated fee, but as a fund manager, you don't have to necessarily liaise with those auditors, your, your manco and your administrators will. And also you get a quality audit. You normally, the, the platforms generally tend to use a, a big four, a brand. And so you get the benefit of that through this regulated product. Kamini, what, what is the investor's outlook on hedge funds um, given the increasing market volatility and risk? So the world at the moment is not a happy place. So the risk remains. Um, We've seen volatility elevated since the beginning of last year, and as a result, dispersion has elevated. So the, the dislocations between 
um, securities, be it stocks, bonds, fixed income derivatives. Um, and in that environment, we saw hedge able to produce strong returns. So what we're seeing is that there isn't expectations for this volatility to remain elevated as the risks in the system have not subsided. And as such, um, investors are looking to maintain hedge fund allocations at the current um, position. Okay, so I pose this question to all of you. Um, when you speak of alternative investments in, in venture capital, hedge, fund, hedge funds, um, is there better offering in this kind of investment than the traditional way of investing? I think uh, uh, there was one speaker who, who mentioned it. I think comparing hedge funds to other alternatives, uh, hedge funds are, m are more structured so number one, uh, 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 they are now regulated. So hedge fund CIS is the same as any other unitrust CIS, and you get all the protections that you get from uh, from uh, from let's say a long only bond fund or equity uh, equity fund. Uh, so I think from a, a structure point of view, um, I, I'm biased. I, I like I like hedge funds better. But I think also uh, looking at liquidity, uh, most hedge funds are very liquid. Uh, you they are price daily. Uh, of course, you can only trade in and out on a, a, a monthly basis for, 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 for retail investor hedge funds. But the, when you look at hedge funds, on a, well, when you look at alternatives on a, on a liquidity spectra, you have uh, hedge funds offering uh, the shortest uh, liquidity terms. Uh, and most hedge funds do not have any lockups. There's no, no getting. And then you'd have, let's say, private equity in between and infrastructure on the on the on the other side. Comedy. I, th I think it depends on what the premium is you're trying to access through each of the investments. So, as Titanda said, if you go into hedge funds, you expect um, a greater liquidity. But you're not in in theory. If you have to source this from an equity asset class, your premium over equity is going to be lower than if you were to invest into a private equity, which is a seven-year lockup, um, also sourced for equity, because your premium that you should get for investing for the longer period should be greater than what you would get from hedge. And similarly, for an infrastructure equity investment, your premium, your term is much longer, so you should be compensated appropriately. So I think term plays a lot into differentiating between the three um, classes, as well as um, your, your fee structures, because your fees differ quite significantly across all three of those buckets. Um, and your ability to for example, um, co-invest. So with your private equity and your infrastructure, there is room to, to invest alongside the manager if, if that's the way you want to go, versus a hedge, you actually you are investor into the construct. So it's very much um, dependent on the, the need. I think all three, I just think they have a place. It's actually a, a hedge fund is, dare I say, a fun thing to do because it's, it's exciting. There's lots of different things going on. And the multi-strats keep you busy. Um, you know, your fixed income, well, there's also some interesting things going on there. So if you get bored by just doing long-only equity, JSC-listed stuff, then there's a place for it. I, I also think it's based on your age and based on your risk profile and based on what you want to blend. What, do you want, what are you looking for? What kind of um, temperament do you have for it? I mean, do you have a 10-year-old at home and you want to throw him into a hedge fund and hope for the best for 20 years? You know, maybe. See what happens. Because there are those stories. 
you, you put your money in some of these original funds for 20 years, you look at the return. It's, you know, it's up there with what you can see out there, but it's, it gives you options. Great. Let's uh, bring up our last poll question for the day. Please, can you all vote? Um, what is the percentage of senior head fund managers, what percentage of senior head fund managers are female? 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. Maybe the female should answer. <laughs> I'm going to go for 10. <laughs> um, definitely not enough. <laughs> we definitely don't see enough diversity in the industry. I think about 20. Really? We, yeah, we're interacting a lot more from a platform point of view with a lot more female startups. Yeah, seen it. Tatendo, what's been your experience? Mm. I'll say 20 as well. Uh, uh, you're quite wrong. Are we quite wrong? 82.1% are saying 10%. Uh, what's the answer, was it? Uh, what is the answer? <laughs> 20, 20%, yes. Yeah, so that was going to lead into the next question about how there's been, uh, you know, lack of transformation in the space. And um, a recent survey shows 48% of funds are non-compliant with regard to BE. Only 20% of senior managers are female, and 74% of managers are white, 9% black, and 8% Indian. Why is this? Well, uh, I think it's, a, it's, 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 it's evolving, and I think transformation is one of the, uh, I think, key trends. Uh, I know you said that 48% uh, 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 of hedge funds uh, do, are not compliant with, or do not have a B rating. If you compare that to where we were five years ago, uh, I think then 90% were not, were not compliant. Uh, so I think these are some of the issues that the industry has, uh, is, is picking up. But I think also you, when you look at where the industry is, you have to look at where it's, where it's, 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 it's come from. Uh, and traditionally, these have been, hedge funds have been set up by guys who, I don't know, work in a bank, uh, do quite well. Uh, you. Uh, find a structural inefficiency in the market, and then you go, you set up as two or three guys, you outsource everything to, 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 to or, or non-core uh, uh, non functions to service providers. Uh, and now it's, I think the industry is, 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 is getting into the phase where it's institutionalizing, uh, and I think also that's being helped by the bifurcation which is happening in the, in the industry, whereby you find that uh, 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 hedge fund managers are also managing long only long only assets, uh, and I think that's also forcing the industry to uh, to trans transform. I know the numbers don't look good, but I think it's 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 it's, it's progress. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't think we are transforming at the rate that we should be. Um, I think the regulations have a lot to do with that. I think we've created, or the regulations have created a barrier to entry, which means we're not seeing as many. Um, Participants who would like to start up in that industry come in um, ac across across the board, um, and and I, I think it's a real risk. So um, Hayden mentioned it a little bit earlier around the barriers, but what we are seeing is that it is very much the same players holding the largest portion of the assets in the industry. And in ten years' time, I'm pretty sure most of those are going to retire. So at some point, we do need to find a way to get new participants in um, to grow both the breadth of the industry and to help with the transformation aspect. Hayden? It was very interesting because from 2010 to like 2008, let's say 2008, 
2008, 2010 to about 2017, you had a lot of new startup alternative managers. There were quite a lot of these guys that came out, a lot of exits from banks. Um, and then you look at the period in the last year and it's kind of been a negative time to start or it's been a really good time to start. And so we've seen some activity of some new startups in the last six months and maybe we're back into that cycle. You know, how, what is the bottom that we're in and is the opportunity at this point on? The other thing we've mentioned a few times is the barriers to entry, it's true. It is very expensive and very hard, but the positive is it's platform-based these days. So there's a lot of support and there's, there's no real incubator program per se, but it, compared to say five years ago, you wanna start a partnership, I mean, where do you start? You know, you have to go yourself, go to a prime broker and negotiate fees. You had to go and find your own auditor, you had to go find your administrator. The platform idea now all those relationships are set up in advance and it gives you a menu to go out and do. So there's a lot more groundwork and opportunity to start at a period now. It's very interesting to say to sit here in five years' time and say, was this the period that we saw a rise in opportunity? There definitely is the platform opportunities for the guys and for anyone looking to start now. But you, you marry that with the fact it's a lot more expensive to start. You know, so maybe you go weigh those things up. But it is an interesting time and maybe a second chance for it now. Great, thank you so much. Any questions from the floor? Great. Thank you panel, that was very interesting as well. I'm interested to know about these really deep neural networks and how popular they are in the hedge fund industry. Um, you know, sort of ones that output buy, hold, sell on, on equities. Um, I'm not really interested in sentiment, I'm more interested in how accurate they are when you backtest them. So there's um, really a handful of machine learning neural network type funds that have come to market. Um, and at this point, what we find is the most successful strategies in that space are those that are used as complementary strategies to fundamental inputs. So not, not your black box sort of put an in input and get out a buy wholesale output. Um, those have not really been successful at, in, in this market. Um, globally, it's been yeah, a, a different. I was going to say, globally, it's quite popular. Yes, so so the markets are much deeper globally, and the 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 development of the strategy has been much deeper globally. Okay, thank you. My question is more on uh, what Hayden said. He said that uh, hedge funds, are, I mean, unit trusts, are not allowed to invest in in hedge funds. My question is more like, is there any particular reason why uh, that's the case? It's, it's a piece of legislation that the CISA and the industry has been trying to change or talk to about for quite a while. So it's, it is an anomaly and, and we've met with the FSA a few times and I think for now there is this view that they are, even though we say it's a Cisco fund, it's a unit trust, it's the same, the FSA still views it as two different routes. So you've got your CIS and securities and you've got this leverage risky product. So there's still a little bit of an education in terms of the benefits of it. Um, but the idea is that they don't want a long only fund that can't do leverage to actually have exposure to leverage. So it's more like uh, unit trusts are not allowed to leverage? Yeah, so they can't invest, they can't hold a unit uh, hedge fund. But the, the reality is if you open that up, so for example, the, the long only space is 2 trillion rand. The, the hedge fund space is 47 billion. So you're talking like less than a percent or around the percent of what the industry is. 
But if you look globally, it's anywhere up to 5, 6, 7, even up to 8% in certain areas. So you've got this like really big exposure to grow it if you just open it up. It is, however, in the, the usage space. Uh, so offshore investing, you're allowed to allocate the hedge funds in a multi-asset vehicle. Are they just quite far ahead of us? Is there nothing we can learn from them? Is it just going to take a bit longer here? So, so usage can to a point, but they've got a secondary regime called AFIM, the Alternative Investment Fund Directive. And that's more like the, the hedge funds. When the hedge fund regulations came out, they looked a lot to usage and to AFIM legislation. So hedge funds are pretty much married, are very similar to the AFIM. Um, the funny part is that if a USITS wants to be marketed in South Africa and there's any wording of leverage, that USITS will be classified as a hedge fund. So generally the USITS tend to follow the CIS and securities route and your, a and your AIFMD funds, the alternative funds, and your LUX funds tend, if they get marketed here, they go the hedge fund route. So it's modeled on it, but this legislation took a while to come out, and it, it is technically four years old now. So there is talk of updating it and giving some kind of guidance on it as well. Thank you so much to our speakers. We really appreciate your insight. We have something small to give you.